This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, welcome, good morning to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio uh, with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great. Welcome back, Dean. How's the holiday been? <laughs> the holiday has been great. It's been really nice. We've had, yeah, nice weather uh, down on the east coast of the United States in the state of New Hampshire. There we nice. are. Yep. Yeah, it's been the, fun. The whole fam family. Yes, the, all of us are down. <laughs> Minus one, actually. We've oh. got one who is a downhill bike racer. He's out in Whistler right now, so he oh, could sweet. join us. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, other than that, we're all here. Okay, good stuff. Um, I have a great report just to yeah. share quickly before you, you get the numbers out there. We got rain. And, and was it a substantial amount or was it just, uh, you know, because that's important. Oh, totally. Yeah, we were so dry. You, you've heard me. I've been whining. Last week I whined extensively about how dry it is here and how my well was going down. But, um, no, last Saturday night we got 60 Count those 60 millimeters. That's six centimeters. That's over two inches of rain last Saturday night. And then we got more on thir- this past Thursday night and then more yesterday. So we're sitting pretty. Uh, the plants are green. They're purring happily. It's it's all good. Beautiful. And that's important because, you know, not everybody, yourself included, not everybody is on a municipal water system where the the supply is endless, right? Okay. Many depend on that for well water, etc. Exactly. So that was part of the issue is that the more we use water to water plants, the less water we have in the well, which, of course, means, you know, you shower once a week, whether you need it or not. But uh, this day, yeah, we don't have to water any plants for a few days. And, uh, and you know, it's just really important when it comes to vegetables. You must consistently water vegetables. You know, you can ignore your, your daisies or whatever, because they'll whatever, either make it or not. But you don't scrimp on the tomatoes because you won't get any tomatoes if you don't water them right gotcha and we won't get any callers unless i give out the number <laughs> how's that how's that for a segue <laughs> here we go uh, so if you are living in toronto the number is 416-360-0740 or anywhere and else in the province of ontario it's a toll-free number uh 1-866-740 for 740 and of course uh, we want you to call often we want you to call early we want you to have one question per call please 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 because that allows us to get as many calls through as we can and also we want you to let carlos know if you're a first-time caller because i will give you your garden wings of course so there we go okay any other announcements there charlie or you're oh, we're good nothing, to go yeah nothing exciting going on in the hort societies they're all on summer break i think up at the cottage or you know holidaying in new hampshire Okay, yes, if they're lucky enough to be doing so. There we are. Okay, so uh, we will take a short pause for some, uh, some important messages, and we will be right back with much more right here on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin 
exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. And it is hard to believe uh, that we are so close to the end of July already. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, like, where did that go? <laughs> it's crazy. 22nd of July already. That's, uh, yeah, before you know it, it'll be, we'll be halfway through the, well, you know, summer always feels like July and August, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. By, Even, by, by September 1st, we're on to the next season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go to our first caller. We have uh, Gloria on the line, and Gloria is calling from Scarborough. Welcome to the Garden Show, Gloria. Um, I've called before, so I'm so happy to hear your voices. I'm a senior, I'm over 80, and at the moment I have a lilac tree that I cannot deadhead at all because of my age, and a lot of my help uh, that I do have, they're at the cottage. So if you know of how I can get that done, maybe a, ch- a church group or somebody could could help me, some people that volunteer, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, so that's a good question, Gloria. Is it a really big old lilac? It's really tall? Uh, yes, it is a French lilac. It's deep uh, purpley blue. It's absolutely gorgeous. It is about, it could, it's, it's over my uh, first story of my house, and I have two stories. Wow. And I've had mm-hmm. it here. I've lived in my home for 50 years, and this uh, beautiful French lilac has been here before that, and the house was built oh. in 1946. Nice. Wow, wow. That's very cool. So yeah. you don't want to lose that. It sounds beautiful. It is. Um, you know what? Keep in mind that if we don't deadhead the lilacs, it doesn't hurt them. Like, it doesn't kill them or anything like that. What it does is it um, it just means fewer flowers usually next year. So right. I wouldn't sort of panic right now. Plus, it's very hot to do any pruning at this time of year. Mm-hmm. What I would try and do, Gloria, if you can, mm-hmm. it, is to organize some help for next spring for after the flowering. So you'd be looking at June, early June, maybe mid-June, looking for, you know, some young person or hire a local uh, landscape company or um, an arborist to come and not only deadhead that lilac, but actually do some pruning, bring it down a um, mm-hmm. bit smaller. They can certainly uh, take with some, you can take up to one third of the plant off at a time, particularly if it's still spring. You wouldn't do that in the summer. Uh, oh, no. And in the fall, of course, you're risking flowers entirely for next year. So but, best uh-huh. time to do it would be next next year. Usually, like I say, it might be early to mid-June and just do a real proper pruning, shaping, cleaning up on the whole plant at that time. Okay, then I'll try my best to find somebody. Uh, thank you so much. I enjoy your show. Thanks a lot, Gloria. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking, I mean, I always have a few landscape buddies, colleagues up my sleeve. So, Gloria, send me a, an email if for some reason you just can't come up with anybody, because I'm sure I could set you up in Scarborough with somebody. But remember as well, Landscape Ontario is the big association. There's over 3,000 member companies all landscapers of one kind or another, and you just go to Landscape Ontario, put in your postal code, put in what you're looking for, and it'll tell you who is a member in your area. Um, so that's an option as well. Great. And of course, uh, that email, if you uh, if you can reach out to Charlie that way, is c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. 
Dot com. Okay, yeah, c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Uh, the number is again to call. We have lines open. Uh, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Or if you live outside Toronto, anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it's free, one 740 Let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Shirley on the line calling from Brampton. Welcome to the Garden Show, Shirley. Hello. Hey, Morning. how are you? Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a question. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I bought a plant at Costco's, actually. Are you there? Yes, we're here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Couldn't hear anything. Um, they got tuxedo on. I don't think that's the name of the plant. But then it's got tuxedo, red after midnight. Ever heard of it? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds lovely. <laughs> what, is it a flower? What is it? Oh, it's a flower, yes. Nice green uh, kind of variegated leaf mm-hmm. and a beautiful red flower. But there's no, oh, okay. it doesn't say how, how it grows or where to plant it, sun or shade or, um, um, anyway, it's okay, a so nice plant. <laughs> um, um, but I don't, oh, that's yes. all it's got on the card. So. Okay, no worries. I'm just looking it up here. Oh, okay, it's a form of hydrangea. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, so hydrangeas are very, very, very popular shrubs, as we all know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this particular one, it's a, yeah, what's special, of course, is that it's a very, it's supposed to be almost a dark, dark red. Yeah. Uh, it is um, very sophisticated, has almost black leaves. You said variegated? Well, they kind, not, the kind of, yeah. But it, it is a dark green leaf. Okay. Uh, bottom line, if it is big leaf hydrangea, so bottom line, it should have the leaves and the flowers should be quite dark, as opposed to br- they shouldn't be bright green leaves or pink flowers. It should be deep red flowers with a deep yeah, green or almost black yeah, purpley leaf. Yeah. So where do we put them? Part day sun. If you can, if you have a spot in your garden where it can get direct sunlight in the morning just the morning not the afternoon so eastern location yeah it needs moist organic soil so good quality soil you're going to supplement the soil with some composted manure or whatever whatever you have handy before you plant um and and i prefer to not put these plants into the afternoon sun because they don't like the hot hot sun they like a nice bright spot but they don't like the hot west morning morning sun yeah, morning sun. And when you get it out of the pot, you may find that it's pot bound, that there's lots of very tightly compacted roots. If that's true, then you get out a butcher knife and or uh, whatever kind of a knife and you slice the roots around. Like, like I'm saying, if it's, a, if it's just a, the roots are in the shape of the pot, you're going to need to slice through the sides of that root ball to get the roots to grow out from that you know compacted root ball get it into the ground water thoroughly and then stay on top of watering um every maybe three or four days if you don't get rain you're going to want to water with you know about two gallons of water uh for this summer and then moving forward it should be fine if we you know we get the kind of rain we've been getting this summer okay how high does it grow no. Well, those hydrangeas never get more than about two and a half, three feet by about okay. two and a half by three feet. They're they're quite compact. Okay, that sounds good. Okay, yeah, sounds lovely. Much, Let us Charlie. know how that goes. Okay, thanks. It's, Bye. it's an unusual one. 
Uh, we have to take a short pause, but we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, welcome back to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio on this beautiful July Saturday. And... Um, and how's how's the weather been as far as heat wise in the last week since I've been down here in the U.S. What's it been like up there, Charlie? It was not. You know how it was really really hot before you left. Mm-hmm. It's one of those kind of every day the temperatures were the mid to high twenties, but feeling like low thirties. Yes. Last week it dropped down a few notches, so it was more like lower 20s feeling like higher 20s we actually went to the beach one day last week and didn't even go in the water because it wasn't hot enough to to go into lake ontario versus the week before when you know you just couldn't wait to jump in the water because it was so hot so yeah it's a cool down a bit which again is good Mm -hmm. better for the plants when it gets too hot everything stops growing right Gotcha. I, that was my next question. If if that type of heat is particularly good for any particular type of vegetable or something, is it good tomato growing? Weather? Yeah, oh yeah. You want heat. Don't get me wrong. You want yeah. that sun. You want that heat for all the the tomatoes, the eggplants, the peppers. They they you know all our garden plants, cucumbers. They all do better when it's hot. But when it gets too hot, everything stops going. It just kind of sits and waits till it cools off. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's go to. Uh, Pam. Pam is calling from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Pam. Morning, Charlie. Delighted to get through. Um, I have a very, very large border on the east side of my yard, and it's completely empty. Nothing at all there. Uh, I've been looking through old books, and I found one very large plant. It's called Cosmo. Have you heard of that one? Cosmos? Cosmos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I have, yes. And they said that this can be actually probably put in as a hedge. So it must be a very bushy plant. Uh, okay, so you know what? This is perfect that you're asking this question. I'm sorry? If you, oh, it's great that you're asking this question. Do you have that book in front of you? Uh, no, not actually. I don't. Um, okay. the, re- the reason I ask is because if you look at the book and you see where it was published, you're going to find that it was published in the United States of America, probably in Florida or California or someplace much, much warmer than where we live. And this can be very frustrating for gardeners. We just sometimes take advice from a book or a website thinking it's relevant for us but it's actually not. Well, actually, uh, sorry, this book is by Stan Lark for Canadian Gardeners. Now, it is an old one, but also beside the Cosmo, uh, he mentioned the Lavatera. Yes. And that has been around, I know, for a long time, still in Canada. And it says that that one grows five feet. The Lavatera will grow five feet it's very bushy mm-hmm. and I what I'm trying to do is cover up my old cedars that was mm-hmm. a cedar hedging for years and mm-hmm. it's never going to grow as a hedge again and right. I'm trying to put in something that will just fill that area 
and maybe cover up the cedars. Mm-hmm. And they are around five, five and a half feet tall, just standing there with no nothing, no growth at all. Okay. And I don't want to take so, them out because I'm using it as my actual fence. We right. have no fence between our two yards. Right. So is the cedar, does the cedar have green growth on it at the tips? None whatsoever, no. So and I'm told it's that- not. They were actually um, swamp cedars. I phoned you one time about it before. Yeah. I worked on it the way you told me to, but I'm told that they're not going to ever grow as a hedge again. Okay. So, okay. So the two plants you mentioned, Cosmos and Lavatera, yes. both of those can work for you if you said it's in the east side of your house. So both those plants, in order to thrive and grow tall and bushy and provide flowers, they need a minimum of six hours of direct sunlight every day. Yes. Both of them are annual plants. So what that means is that they will die in the winter. But before they die, they will set seeds and they will scatter seeds around your garden. Yes. And the following spring, the seeds will grow and they will grow up again, assuming oh. that the soil is reasonably good, it's well-drained, and it's in full sun. I see. But... you. Uh you think maybe I should try one or the other of those two? Will you tell me whether how much sun you get in that garden? Oh, I'm spending a lot of time now, <laughs> but um, I, I'm not a, I'm not able for the tall uh, hedge anymore. And, and no, my I understand. I'm, I'm wondering about the sun. How much sun? There's plenty of sun, and that is oh. the sunny side of the garden. Yeah. Yeah, uh, either one would work, and you're going to grow it from seed, these plants from seed, and you can grow them. What I would do is I would scatter the seeds next spring, like buy the seeds this winter, scatter the seeds next spring as per the instructions on the package, and and just be aware to not step on them or think they're weeds and pull them out. And, yeah, keep the, the area weed-free and allow these to come up, and they will – they will bless you for the rest of your life. They'll keep coming back. So right. there's nothing Okey-doke. like I I thought I could sow the seed this fall. Uh, maybe November or October, November. No. I thought that's no. what I would do. Okay. I, I, you could put the seeds down in November. They should not germinate though you want them to still be there in the spring so they'll come up in the spring so if you put them down in late fall it should work yeah well thank you very much i'd I'd like to try either one especially the yeah both of them are beautiful i've used both of them just as you're suggesting so both are pink and very very attractive so yeah and very pollinator friendly oh that's terrific well thank you very very much indeed all right, I'm thanks for calling. Them. Yeah, thanks for the call, Pam. And yeah, make those bees happy. That is also an important not, thing. Yeah, not just bees. Unfortunately, a lot, a oh, lot of other things. <laughs> Fortunately or unfortunately. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, the bees, the wasps, the the butterflies, all sorts yeah. of pollinators. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
Great. Um, I'm going to give out the number again. Now, we might be having a bit of an issue with our 1-800 number, so I'm going to uh, invite everybody to call on the 416 number today just to be on the safe side, uh, 416-360-0740. Okay, I'll give out that number one more time, 416-360-0740. We would love for you to give us a call. Okay, uh, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, Susan on the line. And Susan is calling from Burlington. Welcome to the Garden Show, Susan. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, our pleasure. Morning. I have a question about wisteria, and I, I know you've answered a few questions which have been helpful or will be helpful in the spring. I have a number of vines over a pergola kind of thing. And what I'm wondering, it's, I don't know that it's where the flowers, I've got pods hanging mm-hmm. like a brown dried up looking yeah. it, it, should I cut those off now or wait uh, I, I'm kind of at a loss with this one uh, okay so you, um, all right so those pods are the fruit of the wisteria and inside the pods are seeds so okay. I can't imagine you're wanting to start a wisteria nursery and they're very very slow to start from seed so yes i would remove the pods now and in the future so the, the pods are where the flowers were so next year after the blooming just be aware of of what's going on there and deadhead or remove the spent flowers before the pods are set um, the plant does put a lot of energy into creating the seeds. And if you prefer that the energy goes into uh, flower buds or just roots and leaves, et cetera, for next year, that's an option. But, yes, certainly I would remove them. Okay, that's that's great. I, I must admit I have had this wisteria for about five years, um, and I didn't realize it was supposed to be pruned. So it's kind of, I, I, I really don't know where to start, but I will refer, go to the reference materials you suggested and try and figure that out next spring. Yes, I think it's spring, sure. right, when I print yes. it? Thanks for calling, Susan. Yeah, no, I get you. That With every wisteria that goes out the door, there needs to be a tag attached to it saying, you know, see pruning information at the following <laughs> website or whatever. Just Because you're right, I don't think people always realize what a very brutish kind of a plant a wisteria is. As beautiful as it is, it's also a brute. Yeah, uh, well, at least it's holding its own against the goat weed that's taking over my garden, so. Oh, there you go. It will. Yep, it'll outgrow the goat weed for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank okay, you. thanks for the call there, Susan. Uh, Charlie, uh, can we talk, actually, in line with that, can we talk a little bit about deadheading? Um, sure. Because, you know, like, when, uh, is it scattered throughout the year? Is there a specific, should we wait till the fall, or is it different times for different plants? No, you're absolutely right. Different times for different plants. So it depends on the plant. I mean, when we were just talking about deadheading that lilac with glory off the top of the show, that's an example of a flowering shrub. And when the flowers are finished, we remove the finished flowers and we call that deadheading. At this time of year, there's not a lot of shrubbery that we're deadheading, but what there is is a lot of perennials. Uh, For example, in my garden right now, I have salvia that bloomed beautifully three weeks ago. And if I deadhead it, so if I follow 
the stems that have the flower, you know, where the flowers used to be, right back to the, the base of the plant and cut off right at the base. It's actually quite a chunk of, of material that comes out. They will flower again. But if I don't deadhead, then they will just sit there as they're sitting there now. So deadheading with the perennials has the added bonus of at, um, causing more flowers to form. And many of us grow and love echinacea. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, lovely, so many beautiful colors out there now. I mean, there's the traditional pink, but there's purples and oranges and yellows and reds. So again, if you deadhead your echinacea, you'll get more flowers. Uh, I have coreopsis. Coreopsis is a very um, bountiful yellow almost a wild child of a plant that uh, when it blooms, it's like, you know, knock your socks off. But once it's done blooming, it's not very pretty. And a little, I get out my hedge shears and I just shear it right down. And before you know it, it's growing green and more flowers. So it is a really, you know, if you're looking for chores to do and it's not too hot to be outside and uh, there's, you know, you're done, you're tired of pulling weeds or whatever the case may be, think about deadheading just as a way to encourage the garden to look better and also provide more flowers sweet and deadheading sounds to me like a rather zen kind of thing grab a coffee and just gently go outside and just deadhead flowers yeah, on a nice quiet yeah. morning exactly work your way through the garden and you're right the morning is the best time to do it because it is quiet the birds are singing and you know the temperatures are reasonable it is a it is a very nice way and you of course you're collecting all this material that's going to go into your composter so it's you know got that as well Beautiful. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have John on the line. He is calling from Mississauga. Welcome to the Garden Show, John. Good morning, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Uh, morning. I'm calling, Charlie. I'm calling you regarding uh, spraying my fruit trees. Um, uh, obviously, I, I did the dormant oil twice. Uh, mm -hmm. I sprayed uh, a couple weeks ago with um, oil, baking mm -hmm. soda, and soap. Okay. Um, first of all, is that effective? Well, what have you found? What were you spraying for? Well, to be honest with you, I don't really know because uh, the leaves are fine. But as mm -hmm. you, uh, I sent you an email last year regarding the Red Delicious. They were mm -hmm. they had bugs in them, whatever. And the Macintosh didn't, which is in the same tree. But mm -hmm. um, again, I, ju I just sprayed it because there's nothing else I can spray with, right? Right. So what's your okay. uh, what's your thing about it? <laughs> okay, good question. I know, I know right. it's funny. Well, anyway. Yes, usually we don't use a lot of oil in the summer because okay. oil uh, coats the leaves of the plants and uh -huh. and the you know there's little tiny microscopic pores in leaves of trees and shrubs called stomata and the oil plugs the stomata and then we sometimes find that the, the plants suffer as a result of oil in the summer so just recognize that your dormant spray should have come with instructions obviously for spring spraying or fall like dormant uh -huh. spraying uh -huh. but in the non-dormant season uh usually what i think of for non-dormant spraying is the lime sulfur and there is a lime sulfur uh, recommendation should be on the package telling you the quantity of lime sulfur. Because remember, lime sulfur is part of the kit and it is a fungicide. 
and we don't ever cure fungal diseases, we prevent them. And when it's so hot, like it's been, and the humidity has been so high, there can be a lot of fungal diseases on our mm-hmm. many of our plants. So that's where lime sulfur is used as a preventative to prevent the powdery mildew from taking over or downy mildew from taking over the plants. Oils and soaps are used as an insecticide. And if you don't see evidence of insects, I probably wouldn't just spray on principle. And if you just see if like a few little holes in the leaves aren't going to kill a tree. But yeah, if you're really, you know, seeing a real problem, then yes, indeed, you do need to get an insecticide out. But I, I think you're smart to be watching your, your fruit trees and being careful to prevent problems. But you can't really prevent insects the way you can prevent fungal diseases. Make sense? Okay, sounds good. <laughs> Hopefully that will uh, help John along there with his uh, fruit trees. Uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah. John is a consistent caller. He, and he always has fruit tree questions. And yeah. I've got lots of pictures too over the years. Uh, well, and it's nothing that I have ever tried to grow. I, I, my, my grandparents always had fruit trees in the back. Mm-hmm. I remember them being quite a challenge. Mm-hmm. I remember it not being an easy thing because the bugs often would get them. Yeah, well, they're very good tasting, right? Yeah. We love the fruit. So do the insects. There's lots of sugar in fruit trees. And right this year with the Japanese beetles being as uh, sort of large a population as they've been, I know people in my neighborhood who have planted fruit trees are just watching the Japanese beetles eat all the leaves off their fruit trees. It's a yeah. it's a challenge. Like, And that is an insect that is difficult to control. There's, you know, you just got to sweep them into a, a can of water. There's no spray or anything for those. And um, so, yeah, no, it's fruit trees. You take on a challenge when you plant them. For sure. Okay. Uh, we have to take a, a bit of a break and we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio on this Saturday in July. And what are the skies doing where you are uh, right now, Charlie? Because they're a little bit, we're a little bit overcast where I am. I'm mostly blue. Little tiny bit of puffy clouds, but yeah, uh, yeah it's a pretty gorgeous day in the county. Blue skies are a beautiful thing. Uh, another beautiful thing are the callers that we have on the line. And our next one is Teresa. We are going to Mississauga. Welcome to The Garden Show, Teresa. Thank you. Good morning. I have a question. Is it possible to tra- uh, transplant flowering plants and bushes at this time of the year? I wouldn't recommend it if you can avoid it. Oh, okay. It, well, two things. <clears throat> when, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> when they're flowering is never the best time to transplant. And when it's hot is never the best time. But if, if you're moving and you want to take the plants with you, then sometimes you don't have a choice. Yeah, why, no, I'm not moving. We... Um, it just said that I, now I see what the garden looks like and I want to move stuff around. Uh, some are taller at the front and short ones yeah, in the yeah. back and I just want to move them around. And I thought if I dig a hole first mm-hmm. and then pick the other ones up and put them in the hole right away and maybe they won't be shocked. <laughs> um, I mean, potentially, depending on the plant. Some plants really don't like to be messed around with. So okay. you wouldn't do that kind of thing in July. 
Yeah. What I would do, if you can, is just take photographs for now yes. or get out a piece of paper and scribble some notes for yourself. Okay. But photos, I find, are great. Like, I do that now. I have situations where I go, hmm, really have to fix this for next year. Yeah. But I just take a picture now, and then next spring or this fall, I will move some things around to sort out some of my spaces that I have okay. in my garden. So I can do it in the fall, so I can wait another two, three months then. Oh, absolutely. By oh, okay. late August, even a month, depending on the weather, within the next five, six weeks, go okay. to town, transplant all you want. They're mainly like cornflowers uh, corn, corn and daisies and lupins, all those. Yeah, and yeah. be careful with lupins. They're hard to transplant. But um, yeah, the daisies and, and uh, many of them transplant very easily. And the lupins are not? No, not so easy. They have a oh. taproot. So make sure you dig deep. Oh, I see. Okay, I'll do that. Okay, okay. I'll wait in the fall. <laughs> Thank right. you very much. Thanks for Have calling. a nice weekend. Yeah, thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Thanks, Teresa. I am a big fan mm-hmm. of lupins. I love lupins and delphiniums. <laughs> you like I your blue. Blues and yeah, blue. I do. I just love the look of them, too, the lupins. I just find them such a beautiful, the, just the formation of them. I think they're great. And the leaves are very pretty as well. They're really mm-hmm. interesting leaves. Yeah, we have uh, we have a neighbor that has lots of lupins. I have yet to uh, embark into that land yet. Uh, if you have a neighbor, then your neighbor's seeds should be blowing over towards you, or you should ask for some seed heads, seed I pods. Could, I could absolutely do that. I could go to Tracy and I could say, "Could I have some?" Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, uh, Mary. Yeah, Mary on the line from Toronto. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Hey there, Mary. How are you? I have a hibiscus, the white one. There's three. uh, I've had it maybe three years now, and it's starting again now. It drops. The buds almost like break off the last two, three days. It blooms beautifully. I was going to transplant it last year, but there's no roots coming through, and it just keeps blooming for me. It's the white one. And I bought two new ones, and I have the same thing. It's almost like it was cut, and the bud is intact. I don't know what's doing it. It seems to be an annual thing. It does it, I think, twice a year. Okay, so, Mary, I missed what, excuse me, what exactly the plant is. It's a hibiscus. Oh, hibiscus. Dropping its buds. Hmm. Yeah. And this one was given to me by my niece who gave it. It's a white one. And I've looked, and they're like three plants in one six-inch pot. And I've had it about three years. And it blooms for me in the winter. And occasionally the same thing happens. But it's doing it now. It doesn't go dry. I moved it outside, oh, a couple of weeks ago. And it's usually in a south-facing window in the winter. But I don't know why it does it. Uh, sometimes plants just naturally prune themselves because they're, they can't deal with what's going on. I mean, we don't really know why they do it, but we think they do it because they can't actually cope with what's happening. If there's but three I've plants... Lost about half the buds now, so I'm only going to get... I mean, it's been flowering beautifully with buds yeah. keeping coming, and now I'm probably going to end up with maybe two flowers where I would have had about half a dozen at least. Yeah. So if there's three, more than one plant in a six inch pot and it's hibiscus and it's been like that for three years, I would, 
get it into a bigger pot. Probably but the roots are coming out the bottom at all. Okay, but nevertheless, I would still just pull it out of the pot and take a look. I think you're going to find there's an awful lot of roots in there. So okay. I would get, just pull the pot off and take a look. If indeed I am correct and there's an awful lot of roots, then I would trim off a bunch of roots and I would get it into a bit, an eight-inch pot with fresh potting soil. And I think you'll find the buds will stop dropping. Okay, I'll give that a shot. As I say, it takes a lot of water. It's always, it's always, I find the other two hibiscus as well are very thirsty plants. Is that true? Yes, that is true. Yeah. yeah. Excuse so they me, get and their the less water. soil in the pot, the more water you have to give. Right. Okay. So you, wanna, you won't have to water as often if you get it into a bigger pot with some more soil. Okay, I'll give it a shot. Thank you very much Sounds- for your help. Love your show. Thank Back. you. Thanks for calling. Sounds beautiful to me. You have said something a couple of times today that I that never occurred to me, and that is, um, I guess, is, is it a stimulating the roots by trimming? You said that sharp knife earlier. Is it to stimulate them? Because I've never done that. I've taken stuff out and just put it right in the new pot. Okay. And that can work, but if it's a pot-bound pot, sort of pot-bound plant, the roots will start to grow in a spiral around the inside of the pot. Gotcha. If you take that plant with the spiral roots and you put it into a bigger pot or you put it into the ground, what happens is the roots keep growing in that spiral. They will uh. not grow out. And eventually the plant will commit suicide because it, it, it yeah. uh, strangles itself yeah. with those spiral roots. We call those girdling roots. So we don't want that. So we always, always want to uh, make sure that the roots are heading to the outside of the pot and away from the plant, not round and round or into the center. Look at that. Just like the listeners, I keep learning every time I do one of these shows with you. There you go. Okay, uh, time for us to take a break, but we will be back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, we are back here for the final segment of this week's Garden Show, and uh, we have Alice on the line, who's been patiently waiting. Uh, Welcome to The Garden Show, Alice, from North York. Good morning. I'm calling regarding a bay leaf plant that was given to me in the fall. I took it out this morning, um, this spring, and the leaves are dying on me. Mm. So, it, but it's it got three branches. The, Two of the one branch is completely dead, and the other one is on the way. Uh, but it came through the winter, okay, inside your house. Well, it was fine, beautiful. Yeah, it's funny. And I've I never and I took it out slowly, like uh, I take it out for a day, then bring it back in. Right. I had it in my front lawn uh, veranda. It's very sunny from early morning to late in the evening. So now I put it in the backyard where there's a, a bit of shade right now, and it'll get sun later on. Right, which might be a, a better idea. And it might just be a little too intense. I think of a bay leaf plant. It's a form of laurel, so L A U. R-E-L. And I think of laurel as a, a almost like an understory plant. We would treat it the way we would treat, oh, like almost like a boxwood or something. So it's got, it does have evergreen leaves, of course, and it is tender. So you were right that it goes in for the winter and out for the summer. It should have quite leathery leaves and it should be quite dense. 
uh, you um, couple things to check. Make sure that there's it's in a pot with drainage, right? Yes, it is. It's in a big pot. Good. So it always needs that drainage because it will get quite large when it's if it's a happy plant. Yes. It does like acidic soil. It uh, would never be a, a bad thing to spritz it with water when it's inside in the wintertime. But, of course, when it's outside, we've got lots of humidity. Did you fertilize that all this spring? Yes, I did. Good. And don't over-fertilize. Once a month is all you're going to fertilize, and you'll stop fertilizing in August. Okay. I would trim out any of the dead wood and maybe even tip trim what's there now just to help it bush out. Okay. I shall do that this, uh, this evening. Thank you very much for your help. Yeah, okay. yeah pleasure. thanks for the call, Alice. And thanks for, uh, yeah, and good luck with that plant. Okay. Quick yeah, thing go to ahead. just yeah. mention, I know we're going to run out of time. Bay leaf plants, laurels, are toxic to pets. So make oh. sure you don't have a dog or cat chewing on it. Okay. Uh, we have a first-time caller on the line. We have Frank okay. from the city of Vaughan. Welcome to the Garden Show, Frank. Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, and I'm going to give you your garden wings very quickly, okay? There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Way to go, Frank. That's a wife sitting on the side. Uh, listen, I have a simple question, I hope. I've been planting a small vegetable garden in my backyard. I put in a few tomatoes, a few cucumbers, some uh, eggplants, not much. But mm -hmm. for some reason this year... And I rotate my plants, eh? one year on one side, one year on another side. And for some reason this year, there's something attacking my tomato plants. I woke up one morning last week, and there was two plants mm -hmm. completely. And I said, oh, no, for some reason, they're dying on me. Anyway, I took care of them. I hold them a little bit, you know, freed up the roots. They look good, covered them up again. And the next morning, they were fine. But then I look one row over, and another tomato plant is drooping, completely drooping. My wife took some flour. I said, what's flour going to do? Anyway, she put some flour on it, and uh, just some baking flour. And they seem to have a little bit of life, and they came back. But like even this morning now, I'm looking at them, and again, now there's two plants completely drooping again. Do you nice. think it's possible there's some sort of a bug going from plant to plant underneath? Uh, you know what I think it might be is uh, blight. It's been a very moist summer where you are. <clears throat> and are uh -huh. these plants, is your vegetable garden in full sun, like six hours of sun every day? It's, it's in sun at least six hours, yes. Okay, that's good. And yep. when you talk about rotating your plants, remember that tomatoes, peppers, and eggplants are all the same family. So when yes, we rotate yes. our plants in our gardens, vegetable plants, we rotate by family. So you, if you plant tomatoes and eggplants opposite and then switch the two the next year, you haven't truly rotated because it's the same right. family, the same issues. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. Um, there, uh, With the amount of moisture we've had, you likely have a bit of a blight happening. Are the leaves showing some green or spots or brown on them? Well, no, they, they are green, Charlie, but like I said, yes. completely drooping. Too much yeah. water 
Are they are they just well, soggy water, or are they, are they too much water? No, I don't think so because we're. I always follow the water restrictions here, and okay. they say every second day we could water. But sometimes I even wait three days to water. I I touch the soil underneath, and if it's damp, I don't give them any water. Okay, that's good. That's the right thing you to know, do. So I, um, I don't know if it's Mother Nature giving us too much water lately, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah. um, listen, Frank, we have to go because the show's almost over. But I will yeah. mention that there are some tomato varieties that are susceptible to something called verticillium wilt. So you might want a fusarium wilt. You might want to look that up uh, and double check what varieties you're growing and if that's the case then think about changing up your varieties for next year but i gotta let you go thanks so much frank thanks for your call don't be a stranger thanks dean thanks carlos it was a delight to spend this time with you charlie have a great week you too see you all again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new am 740 This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.